You know, how many of you remember that series um, uh, on uh, hero making that we preached not too long ago? I don't want that ever to lose your consciousness, all right? Hero making. Then if, you, if you're brand new here, the gist of the series was that we exist not to become heroes, but we exist to make heroes out of other people. That means we're going to help people grow, we're going to love on people, we're going to see them mature, uh, and we're going to see them come into their, their full destiny. Part of that is, what I'm uh, rejoicing in, is that sometimes it's strategic for me to leave because I need to make room for uh, our other leadership team to share their heart and to pour into you. And so I want to thank, first of all, Pastor Aaron. What a great job he did last Sunday talking about the fragrance of Christ. Amen? Uh, and I love this. This is My, my father-in-law used to tell me this when things were hard in life. He'd say, that build, it's good for a young man. It builds character. All right? He would say that over and over. Good for a young man. It builds character. Well, I told Aaron after doing the encounters for the youth on two days and then coming and filling the pulpit the next day, it's good for a young man. It builds character, right? That's what my father-in-law used to tell me. But he was also one tired puppy after uh, three intense days of ministry. But I want to thank all of you that took part in the youth encounter. I heard such a great, great response. And, of course, Pastor Aaron's message last week was so good. How many of you are smelling like Jesus and you're bringing life where you go? And let's, let's just simplify this. Pastor, what does that mean? How about this? At work, you're positive. At work, you're not negative. You're not, you're not getting in that wah, 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 wah crowd. You're bringing solutions. You just, how about this? You smile. How about this? You're chilling out. You're not freaking out. Uh, you're not stressed out. How about this? You're walking in the joy of the Lord. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Some of you are looking at me like, what is he talking about? This is not rocket science, but this is called fragrance. Because scowls, negativity, criticism, anger, that doesn't smell good. That does not smell good. So how in the world are we supposed to bring life to other people if we scare them away by our countenance or by the way that we smell? So let's make, remember we're here today for one reason, to be transformed by Jesus. Why did Jesus save you? to make you like himself. And guess what? I want to encourage us. There's not a one of us in this room that will not be under the powerful influence of the Holy Spirit to change you. Change, 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 change. It's part of our entire journey. Why? That's why God saved you, to make you look like him. So everybody embracing the process, all right? We're, we're going to smell good. We're going to look good. And uh, we're going to be more like Jesus. If you're, if you're born again and you're in this place, that's, that's the future. That's what this is looking like. You're being transformed. So how about this? Everybody in this room should be a happy believer because if you're being transformed, I found this about transformed people, they're excited, they're happy. Because becoming like Jesus is good news. Leaving our old self behind, that's good news. We don't want to be that old person. We want to be the new version, amen? And then Andrew did such a great job, Pastor Andrew, talking about the mission, that God has called us to join him on mission. This is amazing news, and I want to piggyback on that today because we're going to look at two things. We're going to look at the call to be a family, but not just a family, the call to be a family on mission with God as we achieve what God is trying to do in the earth today. And this addresses two of our deepest needs, and I want to hit on those as well. So follow along with me as we continue the series on Drop the Nets. And I I want to just reiterate this before we get too far into it, that I hope you know that there's a method to my madness in why we're preaching this, all right? And, and I don't want you all to get ahead of us and say, Pastor, this is all great, but how, how do we do that? What does it look like in real life? We're going to get there, all right? Because here's, here's, here's our heart. Our desire is to train each of us so that we all become disciple makers with our lives. In other words, we know how to 
gather people. We know how to pour into people. We know how to encourage people. We know how to see people healed. We know how to love well. Everybody with me? And we know how to multiply who we are. Does that make sense? And you're saying, well, Pastor, who's that for? Everybody. How I many you know that's the Great Commission? Matthew 28. That's the Great Commission. We're all called to be disciples, every single one of us, and we're all called to be disciple makers. And some of you are thinking, oh my gosh, what have I signed up for? Trust me, you signed up for the greatest thing that you ever could imagine to do with your life. So don't anybody run out the doors. We've got the ushers back there to tackle you if you're even going to try. All right? I'm telling you, this is good news. And can I just say this too? If we don't get this as a church, we will become an irrelevant social club. And we will have no impact on the larger culture. We might have some goosebumps occasionally in here, but we will have zero impact on the larger culture, and we'll watch our nation basically go to hell while we go to church. How many of you know that's not good? So we need to start getting real serious about reproducing what Christ has done in us in other people and watching that take legs and run. Because how many of you know it's a, we're about a movement? We're about a globe-encircling movement. Anybody want to be a part of that? A globe-encircling movement. And let me just say this. Sometimes we get focused on revival, and we need to be, we need to be focused on revival, because when the Holy Spirit's blowing, good things are happening. But can I just share with you, while we're waiting for fresh wind and fresh fire, guess what we should be doing? We should be making disciples and be crying out for God to help us as we do that and help us as we pour into other people. And so why are we here? To become like Jesus. And why are we becoming like Jesus? Because we're going to take what we received we're going to give it away to other people, and we want to be a part of this global movement that, God's, that God is initiating to redeem the planet. All right, so let's take a look at uh, the ser- sermon this morning, A Family on Mission. And I want you to see that it was God's plan from the very beginning to gather a family and to give them a mission. So let's take a look, first of all, about this call to family. You know, we major on family around here. We want to see marriages strong. We want to see our kids grow up to love Jesus and we want to uh, see a multi-generational passing of the baton from one generation to the next. You all with me? I think that's why many of you are at this church. Uh, I want to see my kids get what my mom and dad poured into me. I want to pour it into them, and I want that to go on for generation to generation until Jesus comes. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And being a part of a family is important because in case we haven't figured it out, how many of you know that the family is under incredible attack today? And that many of the people, might be some of you here, have had very little, if any, good encounter or good experience in a family setting. When I say the word family, it might automatically stir up things in your mind that are very painful because family for you is something that that you don't have a concept of because you weren't in a good family or a healthy family. Or maybe your family was the source of a lot of pain in your life. But can I just tell you, there's a deep need in every single human being for belonging, and the way God wants to meet that need is by putting you in a family where you can be loved. And if you don't have a natural family, God wants to give you a spiritual family. Can I just mention this, that you know, when Jesus came out of the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit, he went to his hometown. He went to his hometown, and he went to the synagogue there, and this is not in the notes, this is a little side note, but he went into the synagogue there, and he read from Isaiah chapter 61, and he told him, today this verse is fulfilled in your midst. In other words, I'm the Messiah, I'm the answer to this verse. And you know what happened in Jesus' hometown? His family rejected him. His mom thought he had a demon, and the leaders of the community physically grabbed Jesus, took him to the edge of the community where there was a cliff, and were ready to push him off, because they were so angry that he would have the audacity 
to make the claims that he did because they said, we know you, you're, jo- you're Joseph's kid, you're a carpenter, you know, all that familiarity. When Jesus revealed himself, he did it in his hometown, probably because he was looking for his family to support him on the mission. And what happened is they didn't support him, and he went to Capernaum. And, and Capernaum, why did he go there? Because that's where, that's where his fishermen disciples were from. And he began his ministry there with a new family. In fact, Jesus redefined what family was all about. He said, it, here's what family is. Family are those who are willing to obey me and do what I command. That's my family. Jesus was building and, uh, and doing the mission with a family. How many of you know God exists as a trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized, the Father screams out from heaven, that's my boy. The Holy Spirit shows up, and Jesus is there. The whole trinity is right there. How many of you know it's impossible for God to be a God of love if he does not exist as a trinity because love needs an object, and God loved before he even created. Who did he love? The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, all existed in perfect love and harmony. God exists as a a family. It's amazing. The whole basis of family comes from who he is and the revelation of who he is in his nature. So remember when God created all the stuff that he created, good, 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 good. There's only one thing God created that was not good. You all remember that? What was the one thing that he created that was not good? He says it's not good for man to be alone. Right from the very beginning, God is getting ready to build a family and send them on a mission. And the only thing God said in all of life and all of his creation that was not good, and I want you to hear this, it's not good for people to be alone. How many of you know we're seeing even a, a, a crazy breakdown of the, in the fabric of our society with all these um, young people that go, go off doing crazy things, school shootings, stuff like this that happens? What we're finding out in almost every situation, of course the media doesn't ever deal with it, but in almost every situation, uh, these young people are incredibly alone, and, many, and, and in almost across the board, they don't have a father who's engaged in their lives. Why is it that we're having uh, all this kind of uh, crazy behavior? I'll tell you why. Because every single person needs to find a place where they can be loved, accepted, encouraged, uh, uh, find a place where they belong, where they fit in. That's what family's all about. And I just want to tell you, we were never made to do even this Christian thing by ourselves. There are no, you know, if you heard Andrew's message a couple weeks ago, the wrong interpretation is God has a secret mission for you to accomplish for him. That's not the message. The message is God has called you to be a part of a larger mission that's part of a family to, uh, to accomplish the mission so that we always have people around us. How many of you know when Jesus sent out the disciples, he didn't send them out like Lone Ranger, all right? He sent them out what? Two by two. Why do you send them out two by two? Because we were not made to do this mission alone. And that's why we need each other. That's why we encourage you to be involved in life groups. That's why we encourage you to have deep relationships with your church family. In fact, I'll say this. Your church family should be the social center of your world. This becomes your new family when you're in Christ. Now, we still love our our other family, but I'll just say this. Part of why I love my mom so much is because my mom loves Jesus so much. She'd be hard to love if she didn't love Jesus so much. (laughs) It's the truth. The reason I love her is because she's not only my mom, she's my sister in the Lord. We're family. You know, when I'm away from all y'all, I miss you. Why do I miss you? Because this is the mission. This is why I exist. This is why we exist. We exist to be a part of reaching the, the, the nations of the world with the good news of Jesus. And guess what? We're family. We're brother. Why do we, you know, sometimes you go to church, they, they call people brother so-and-so, brother Eric, you know? 
Brother Tony, and people look at that like, that's weird. Well, it's only weird if you don't understand family. You're really my brother. We're brothers in Christ. We're going to spend eternity together. Greg is really my brother. We're blood. We're, we're more blood than natural family blood. We're blood of Jesus' blood, which means we're going to live forever together. If we could get this in our minds, wouldn't it transform the way we treat each other? When we call one another, you know, the Bible says, treat the women in the church like sisters, which is why my dad used to be walking around, you know, with the big stick, uh, checking out the motivation of single men as to why they were in this place. Are you treating the, the daughters of this house as your sister, or are you here to prey on the ladies of this house? Because we're a family, and we're united by the blood, and we're meant to do life together, and this becomes the center of your world. I know some people that really struggle in becoming like Jesus, because here's why. After they pray a prayer, or they invite Christ in their life, they never change their social network. And so the people that they're spending Friday night with or Saturday night with are not people they're sitting with on Sunday morning, and the things they're doing on Friday night and Saturday night are not things we would be doing on Sunday morning because you never shifted your friends and you never shifted your identity to become part of the family. Is this making sense to anybody? This is my family. You are my family. I was just with my family in Vietnam. I was just with my family in Cambodia. We're part of a global family of saints that are beautiful. And I love the family of God, and I love the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the good news. Check this out. Psalm 68 on the screen. To the fatherless, God is a father. To the widow... He is a champion friend, and to the lonely, he makes them part of a family. Look at that. If you're fatherless, he's a father. If you're friendless, he's a friend. If you're lonely, he puts you in a family. What an amazing God we have. That's the heart of God. When you're born again, we become part of the family of God. Look at what the Word says, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I will embrace you, God says. Isn't that good news? I will be a true father to you, and you will be my beloved sons and daughters. You know, I had one of my daughters come up to me last night and gave me a big hug, and I gave her a hug, and then I released, and she just kept hugging on. She said, no, I need more. And, uh, and we stood there in the kitchen, and we just loved on each other, a, father's to a, a father to a daughter. And it reminded me again of every time as a father I get to hold my kids, love my kids, show affection to my kids. It's a reminder that you have a God in heaven who says, I want to embrace you, and I want to treat you as my sons and my daughters. Now, again, this is, a, this is our identity, you guys. we got to get this in our spirits, because I've told you before, you're either going to go through life and the challenges of life, and you're going to freak out and wonder, you know, where's God, where's God? Or you're going to go, wait a minute, I'm a son. I am a daughter. I am still in his embrace, and God has my back, and God is with me, and God, God's working things out in this situation. Why? You're, you're operating out of an understanding of sonship. Look at that language. I will embrace you. What an amazing father we have. He's going to make us beloved, not just sons and daughters, beloved sons and daughters. Look what it says in the next verse, 1 John 3, 9. We're born into God's family. That's a supernatural born-again experience that launches us into God's family. Look at Ephesians 2.19. You are members of God's family. There it is again. Look at Galatians 6.10. 
Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially, that's a key word, especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. This is a good word. I want to encourage you, when you come together on Sunday, are you taking advantage of every opportunity? This is an opportunity right now. It's an opportunity to be a blessing, especially, especially, especially. I love that there's an order. You know, we're supposed to love even our enemies, the Bible says. But how much more does God place family? Love your family. Speak well about your family. Look to serve your family. Look to care about your family. Look for the lonely in our family. Bring them into your family. This is the heart of God. There should not be anybody in Livingstone's church that deals with loneliness on an ongoing basis. Am I speaking the truth here? Because part of what we're called to do is bring lonely into families. That's the father heart of God. He doesn't want anybody feeling outcast or alone or separated. In fact, the prophetic word that we had at at our national conference was that this place was going to receive this year well over 300 people that are disenfranchised, lonely, don't have any place to go, don't have anywhere to belong. How many know a bar is is a cheap substitute for a family? A bar is a cheap substitute for a family. God's wanting to bring people into families. How does he do that? He's looking for people in this room that will be willing to open up their hearts, open up their homes, open up their lives, and just let people in. That's how this thing works. God is all about family. We're a covenant family. I want to drive this home. It's not the cheap uh, understanding of family today. This is a family formed by blood and sacrifice. It's, it's a tremendous cost. It's an intimate family because we're a covenant family. And making disciples, I want you to see this. We're talking about making disciples. Making disciples is really all about building God's family. How many of you want the family to grow this year? I mean, really, God's family, not my family. How many of you know we're not building a church? Our goal is not to build a church. Our goal is to build people. Our goal is to love people. How many of you know if you love people and you make disciples, the church will take care of itself? If we'll love people well, if we'll care for people well, the church will take care of itself. God will grow his church. Our job is to love his people. So we're called to be a family, and I want to encourage you again, um, please take the next step. If you're here and, and your experience has been kind of Sunday morning only experience, I want to encourage you. It's really hard to feel like a family or to get to know people in, in that way on Sunday morning. This, this gathering here was, was never really intended for that. We do our best to connect, to hug one another, to greet out in the lobby, to have some coffee. Uh, we encourage you to come early. But, but this is not the format. This is not the best opportunity for you to get connected. How I many you know that happens in small groups? That happens at the life groups. It happens at youth group. It happens at CR. It happens in our children's ministry. There's, there's lots of of gathering places where that happens, and that's why we're encouraging you, take the next step. If you've not yet been a part of a life group, join one. If you've not been a part of a discipleship group, go to one and, and, and pursue Jesus and keep getting healed and keep getting changed. Hey, I'll tell you what, if you go to an encounter weekend and you spend a long weekend with some other men or some other women, I promise you, you're going to have lots of new friends by the end of that weekend because that's just what happens when we spend time together. So I want to encourage you, spend time together and, and, uh, and open up your hearts and open up your homes. Sunday's a great day after, after church to get together with people in this room and say, hey, how about going out? We'd like to take you out for lunch uh, and spend time with people. Build relationships. Be intentional about building relationships. Can I get an amen on that? You guys hearing me? You're quiet this morning. We lost one hour of sleep, and everybody's quiet. 
I don't know if that was good for me or bad because of the jet lag thing. I don't know if I gained an hour or lost an hour, but, but um, you guys are quiet. C- can we all agree we're a family? We need to treat each other like family. We need to love each other like family. We need to care for each other like family. So we're a family, but check this out. We're not a family that's just hanging out. This is the apostolic part of me that gets very excited, all right? Now, all you pastoral people are like, what's the matter with hanging out? Nothing, except that we're hanging out with a purpose. All right, check this out. Let's talk about the mission. Another one of our basic needs, in addition to belonging, is the need for meaning. Can anybody say amen on that one? We cannot live in a meaningless universe. And one of the first things you need to do when you come into the family of God is figure out what's the purpose of all this. And here's the cool thing. God not only meets our needs for belonging, but he, needs our, he meets our needs for meaning and for purpose and for direction because he answers the question, what's all this for? and what, What's this all about? What's my life about? Here's the thing I love about God. We're on a mission because we were created and redeemed by a God who is himself on mission. And what we're doing is not doing mission for God, but doing mission with God. I love the, fa- the choice of the song selection today. Because we talked about that we're no longer slaves, right? We're sons and daughters of God Almighty. Slaves work for God. Sons and daughters work with God. How many know there's a big difference? We're not slaves. God hasn't put out a help wanted sign and got you all to sign up so he could work you like dogs until he comes. All right, that's not his his goal. Instead, he put you in a family so we could work with him and be a part together of what he's doing as sons and daughters sharing in our Father's mission, which is really awesome. I love this quote from Mike Breen. He said, people are longing to be part of a mission that's worth living and dying for. And out of that mission, they become part of a family that's worth fighting for. Mission is the integrating principle that binds the family together and makes everything else work. Isn't that good? So we're not on a mission alone. We're on a mission together. We're not an army of one. We're an army of millions of people across the globe called to be a part of God's agenda here. And I want you to see this. I want you to see how God, uh, from the very beginning, his desire was to call families on mission. When God created Adam and Eve, you can look on the screen, Genesis 1.28, God gave them a mission. He blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. So notice what he did. He creates a family. He gives them a mission. How about when God called Abraham? God says, I'm going to bless you, and all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. What was he doing? He spoke to a specific family. He gave them a mission. When God called Israel, it moved from a specific family to a nation of families, and he gave them the same mandate. And how many of you know the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, now in the New Testament, is God's family, and we've been called to join him on the most incredible mission that we could possibly be a part of. Family on mission is God's strategy for saving the world. Now let me bring up some tension points here that maybe we've all been a part of. Maybe some of you can relate to this. We're talking about being a family. We're talking about being on mission. Those two things should not be fighting each other, but many times they do, and let me explain how this works. Sometimes we have this idea of being a family or being on mission. Let me explain how that works. Some of you maybe came from church cultures where The mission of the church was elevated above the needs of the family. And many times this even happens in ministries. Sometimes the reason uh, pastor's kids are are more wounded or out in the world or just say forget the church is because many times their parents made an idol out of the mission. 
They spent all their time focusing on the mission, and they neglected the family. And many times people resent that. Some of you might have had parents that were way involved in church, 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 activity, 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 and you felt like your family suffered because mom and dad were never around. They were always doing good things with church people. How many of you know that's not a good thing? There's got to be a sense of, ba- of balance there. But let me tell you something else that's not good. We've made an idol out of family to where we've completely forgot that we're here for the mission. And we've got people today, it's, it's family, 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 and everything. And, and let me caution parents in this. You know, your family should not revolve around your children. Your children were meant to come under the vision of the parents. But often today, it's the parents who are running around serving the vision of the children, and everything is turned upside down. We've had this discussion with our family many, many times. You probably had to do it with your family. Our family, we, we are a family, a first fruits family. We belong to Jesus. We've been called to, to mission under our King. And all of us are together moving in the same direction. But mission is priority because it's why we're saved and it's why we're here. So the King and the kingdom is priority. And that's just, that's just a stronghold. Now, the other thing is, mom and dad taught us, well, this church is not a church, and you all need to hear this, where... We encourage you, go, 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 go for the sake of the mission and while your marriage goes to hell and while your relationships with your kids go to hell. That's not godly either. So it's not, notice it's not family or mission. Now let me tell you another challenge. It's family and mission. What does that mean? That means we're going to try to do family and we're going to try to do mission on two parallel tracks. So we have a container for family and a container for mission. And let me just tell you this. This is not a good way to raise your kids because here's the way they think. We got family activities, and then we got church activities. We got fun activities, and then we got religious activities. We got stuff that we are excited to do, like go to Great America, and then stuff we have to do, like go to church. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We got the family track and the mission track. They're two separate boxes, and we try to, we try to keep both of them full. And let me just tell you what happens if you try this approach to life. You're going to be exhausted. Because you're trying to do 100% everything, and sometimes it's like trying to fit, fit you know, five, or 10 pounds of potatoes in a 5-pound sack. It doesn't work very well. Let me tell you what the model is. It's the third point here. We are a family on mission. Pastor, what does that mean? Well, let me, let me summarize it like this. Our family exists for the king and the kingdom and to be a blessing to the nations of the world And so we don't compartmentalize things. We just live life full out with Jesus as the blazing center. Which means we're going to have a lot of fun as a family. We're going to love lots of people as a family. It means, kids, you're going to probably have lots of strangers coming into our house. People that you've never met before. Guess what? When you open your heart to people and you open your heart to love people, then guess what? People know that you're a safe place. They come to your house. Sometimes I've had nights when my family plans were interrupted because somebody showed up at my house drunk. That wasn't scheduled for Friday night. But guess what you do when a drunk person shows up at your house on Friday night? You open up your house and you love them. And you know what you do? You bring your family into it. So they see how the love of Jesus is demonstrated. And guess what? We've had to put some commas in there. But what my kids have always been able to see is that we're not just a normal family. We're a family on mission. We're a family that's been saved by Jesus. And we're a family that in some ways isn't going to act like other families. And that in our family, and I saw this with my mom and dad, 
People would, people would tell me this. They share this at the funeral over and over again. This is what they tell me. Thank you for sharing your parents with us. Because we felt like family. You know what? When I hear people say that, there is not one ounce of bitterness, resentment, hurt, neglect in my heart. Because you know what happened in my family? We were a family on mission. And they were never separated. I was just always included in what my mom and dad were doing. I was just always able to watch them love people. And you know what? They always found a way in the midst of loving people to make sure they loved us. And I'll just tell you this. I think the reason God apprehended me was not from what happened on Sunday morning sitting under my dad's preaching, which is nothing the matter with that. But I'll tell you what impacted me more than anything was growing up in my mom and dad's house. Watching people in our house get loved on and touched by God. Because what I saw was that our family existed to love people. And as a young person growing up, you could have given me a million Bible verses. You could have had me sit in church all my life and hear all those messages. But I'll tell you what made the most profound impact was being in the context of my home and watching our family love on people. That's what changed my life. That's what it means to make disciples. And that's why, here's my vision for all of us, that when we all die someday, hate to break the news, but it's coming, when we all die someday, that there's a long legacy of people standing in line to honor your memory, my memory, because of the way we love so well, and because here's what we did. We just simply invited them into our craziness. You know, when I was back there at Andrew. When I invited Andrew to come live with us, I watched him sit at our kitchen table in shock and awe. Asian families are not really big. They're petite families, all right? Most Asian families, right, Andrew? I remember Andrew sitting at our table watching eight kids, a mom and a dad and a dog, all in the kitchen, and our kitchen table was absolute mayhem. And I would look over at him, and sometimes he just had like a glaze come over him. He's just like <laughs> overstimulation right there, right? Just to too much going on. But he'll tell you to this day that what changed his life was not listening to my sermons. What changed his life was being a part of a family. And being a part, seeing the good, the bad, the ugly but just watching a family function and a family love. Can I just share with us that part of the reason God's so consumed with us being transformed is because many people don't want to let anybody into their home because they're afraid of what those people will see. How many of you know, just elbow your neighbor and say, I think he's talking about you on this one, all right? Just tell him that. Just elbow your neighbor. I think he's talking about you. I want to ask you this question. If God's asking you to open up your life to other people, are there things in your life that you don't want people to see and that you're ashamed of and that you haven't dealt with and that you're going, I'm not letting anybody in our house. Um, it's kind of like those people that put the Livingstones church bumper sticker on their car and they're like, I ain't putting that on my car. I know how I drive. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, I'm not letting anybody in my house because uh, I, know how, I know what they're going to see. Well, that's the point. That's why we're here, right? Let's get to the place where we can open our lives up to people and we're not ashamed about what they're going to see. You guys are so quiet this morning. 
Thank you, Bonnie. Say that again. I, I need the encouragement. I need the encouragement. Is this making sense to anybody? People need to be let in. People need to be let into our world. And they need to be loved. And they need to be a part of a family, like a real family, like around your kitchen table. All right, let me move on here. I want you to turn with me to uh, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. And I'm going to go through this quickly. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, you can follow on the screen. It says, but you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. You're a holy nation. You're God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Look at verse 10. Once you had no identity as a people, and now you are God's people. I got to get a Kleenex here. Once you received no mercy, and now you have received God's mercy. What I want to do is talk about our identity. And as we're looking at these phrases that, that God uses here to describe us, I want you to see that there's, there's two, there's an adjective and a, and a noun, all right? And one describes our family, and one describes our mission. So take a look with me as we look at our new identity here. Uh, point number one I want to make, the Bible says we're God's chosen people. Our calling comes with two gifts from the Lord, and we see those in verse 10, all right? Two gifts we get from God. We get a new identity, and we get extravagant mercy. Is anybody grateful for either of those? A new identity, once you had no identity, now you're sons and daughters of God. But once you were not recipients of mercy, and you were under the judgment of God, but now we've received extravagant mercy, and we're under the grace of God. How you know that's good news right there? Identity and mercy. That's, that's what God's given us as a result of our encounter with Him. And I want you to see this phrase, chosen people. Chosen describes our family. We are a part of a family that were chosen by God. Aren't you grateful for that? God reached out and grabbed us. God reached out and saved us. God took the blinders off of our eyes. You're saved today because of God's mercy. And you're here today because of God's mercy. You've been chosen. And I shared with you before, there's nothing more precious than when someone says, I want you, I choose you. We all long for that, and that's exactly what God does. He chooses us to be part of his family. But notice we're not a, cho a chosen person. That's how most Americans view this radical individualism in America. We're not chosen persons, we're chosen people, which means we're part of a mission of people that have been chosen by God from every tribe and nation and language and tongue. So we're chosen people. Look at the next uh, definition here of who we are. The Bible says we're royal priests. Royal priests. That word royal reminds us that we're part of a royal family. We're part of a king and a kingdom. We're not just normal folks out here. We are part of another whole realm, the kingdom of God. That's what we operate in. We might live in America, but we operate out of the kingdom of God. We're royal members of a king and of his kingdom, and we're Christ's ambassadors in this world. That's part of our family identity. But look at the second word there, royal priest. Again, notice it's plural. There's not just one priest. There's a group of priests, a whole army of priests. What is the job of a priest? We might be concerned with this because the Bible says that's who we are. A priest is responsible, first of all, to know God and to minister to the Lord. But secondly, a priest was responsible out of that intimacy with God to represent God before the people. And how many of you know we're standing in the gap on earth every single day between heaven and earth, heaven and hell, 
representing God before people so that people will experience the fragrance of life, not the fragrance of death. And as priests, we're leading people and representing people before God Almighty. I mean, you know, this is a serious responsibility. Now, some of you say, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not really a priest-type person. Yes, you are. You are a priest. You've got to see this. You've got to embrace this. You're a royal priest. You're part of a kingdom where you represent God in the earth. This is huge. That's who you are. That's what you're called to do. The Bible says thirdly here that we're a holy nation. Notice that word holy. It describes our family. What is the idea behind holiness? Here's the simple idea behind holiness. You have been set apart for a special purpose. Your life is not common. You have an uncommon calling. And holiness is not a bunch of lists of do's and don'ts. It's about a heart that's consecrated to God and a life that is allowing God to transform you. We're all at different phases of that journey. Some of you might be here today and you've never surrendered your life to Christ. I'm telling you, God's call in your life is to make you holy. And I want to say this to dispel all myth. Holy people are the happiest people. Holiness is synonymous with happiness. The more we are like God, the more joy-filled, the more satisfied we are. Don't ever let someone tell you holiness means bored. Holiness means religious. Holiness means law. Holiness means regulation. Holy and happy are synonymous. Jesus was the most holy, and he was also more filled with joy than any other human being who ever lived. And that's what it means to be holy. So the more set apart we are. So here's the thing, too. When we're making decisions in life, Should I be a part of that? Should I not be a part of that? Here's what you should think. My life has been set apart for a special purpose. I'm not a common person. I'm an uncommon person with a holy calling. Sometimes we get into these things. Can a Christian do and fill in the blank? Can a Christian do this? Can a Christian, can a Christian, can a Christian? Wrong question. If you have to ask, you're not thinking right. Why don't you just live a set-apart life and stop worrying about what you can get away with and start focusing on how much of Jesus you can enjoy? Why don't we stop the list of do's and don'ts and why don't we just run after Jesus and say, you know, thank you for mercy and thank you for new identity. I want to be as much like you as I possibly can. Let's put away the stupid list and the stupid questions. It's the wrong question. You have a holy calling. You've been set apart for God. Your marriages have been set apart for God. Your kids have been set apart for God. What you do is set apart for God. And the Bible says you're part of a nation. A nation. Look with me. Here's here's 1 Peter, uh, same same passage of Scripture here, but this is uh, verses 1 and 2 in that chapter. Get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Notice we got to get rid of the old behavior. Deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, nasty speech. Let's just stop it. If we can't say something positive, let's just be quiet. Let's look for good things to say. Let's look for kind things to say. Let's not engage in all the negative junk that the world engages in. But how about this? Why don't we crave pure spiritual milk so that we grow into the full experience of salvation? How many of you know if it says full experience, that means there's a less than full experience? 
What happens if babies are not fed properly? Their growth is stunted. Their, their development is stunted. Their speech is stunted. All kinds of things are stunted. Uh, you know what? There's a lot of Christians in churches that are stunted because they've never grown into a full experience of what it means to know God and to walk in salvation. There should be a craving in our hearts for more of Jesus, a craving to worship God, a craving to grow, a craving to learn, a craving to experience more. I mean, anybody know what I'm talking about? There should be a sense of holy dissatisfaction that marks what it means to be a, a son or daughter of God. And I want to challenge you, let's move on to full experience of salvation. Make that our goal. The full deal, the whole enchilada, all right, of what it means to be a believer. God's special possession is what the Bible says. Purchased with his blood, married as his bride, were his nation set apart to reveal the good news of the kingdom. Now, can I just say this? You know, when God specifically chose Israel, and I'm closing here, when God chose Israel, he gave them his law, he gave them his covenant, he made a special covenant with them, but this is what he said. If you obey me and honor me, I will set you apart from all of the nations of the world. I will bring you out of 400 years as slaves with nothing. And I will cause you to rise to the top of the heap, the most economically prosperous, blessed people out of all the world. People will look at this little group of people that were slaves that I delivered, filled with my spirit, gave them my laws, lived with my presence among them, and watch how that catapults you to the most prosperous nation in the world. Can I just say this for a nation today that's, that's becoming poison to America, poison to our roots? There's a reason why this nation has been exceptional in the short time we've been on planet Earth, and I'll tell you this. It's been because we honored God. It's been because our, our foundational structures of this nation came from the Word of God. It's because we have been a nation that has blessed the nations of the world. We have sent missionaries to the nations of the world. We We've sent money to the nations of the world. We've rebuilt nations. We've cared for the poor. We've cared for the lost. We've cared for the homeless. We have acted in many, many ways as Jesus would act. And how many of you know what's happening right now is a grave sign of a nation that's lost its way when we cannot even protect uh, babies who have been attempted abortion on their lives. We cannot even protect them out of the womb. We have an entire party that will not protect even live-born babies. I mean... We, we are in a place of grave darkness, and we have another party that can't work up the moral courage to do anything about it. Uh, we are in a very, very sick place. And can I just tell you, though, the reason for our exceptionalism is because we have honored God. God, and, and I, let me just say this. Okay, take us out of the nation of America. This is a nation right here. You are part of a holy nation. We are, this room right here, we're a nation. I want you to get this. What should set us apart is the blessing and favor of God on our lives and on our families so that our neighbors look at us and go, what, what are you drinking? What are you eating? What's in your Kool-Aid? I want some of that. Because God's goal has been to establish a people upon which the world can gaze upon our lives and say, I want to be like them. I believe this, if we get this holy nation, if we get this family on mission, vision, downright, people will flock to a place where they'll be loved, where they'll experience the presence of God, where they'll see a bunch of people moving in the favor of God, where there's generosity that's flowing, where people open up their hearts and open up their homes to people, where they're loved, where they're encouraged, where they're growing, where they find their identity. I'm telling you, people will be knocking the doors down to get into a place where that is the culture. And I'm just telling you, this is our mandate. 
This is not optional. This is not pastors just trying to preach a nice sermon. No, this is our mandate. We have to be like intentional about this or we failed our mission. And I don't want to fail the mission. How about you? I want this to be a place where people flock to to experience the favor and the goodness of God. Let me add, just because this is in the passage, let me t- say also number four, we're living stones. Can anybody say amen? Come on. 1 Peter 2, 5, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Even our name says, this, this is our family side, we're living. We're alive. Thank God we used to be dead, but now we're alive. But also, check this out, we're stones. Stones don't just exist out you know, in the field. That they're worthless. But when you take stones and you shape them and you put them into a wall and you build something, then you're accomplishing the mission. God is building us as living stones into an, an amazing family, amazing house uh, that's going to give him great glory. And let me end with this point right here. What is the family mission? I love this. We find it in verse 9. The family mission. Let's read it together. It says, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This is cool. Why did God create a family, and why are we on mission? Here's why. To display God's goodness. To display the goodness of God. Everywhere we go, what should be coming off of our lives? The goodness of God. Pointing to his mercy. Pointing to his kindness pointing to his forgiveness, pointing to his blessing, pointing to his healing, pointing to his salvation. Are you with me? God is good. We should be screaming. Our lives should be screaming. God is good. That's the good news of the gospel. God is good, and he loves us, and he cares for us. In fact, take a look at this last little phrase here in verse 3. It says, we are those who have tasted of the Lord's kindness. How many of you can say amen to that? Have you tasted of the Lord's kindness? So here's the deal. We taste of the kindness, and then we're telling others about the kindness. Hey, you need an identity? We got an identity. You need some mercy on your life? God is rich, filthy rich in mercy. What do you need? We are part of a nation of people that are moving in the goodness of God and building the kingdom of God. Uh, We're on a mission, and every one of us should be a part of that mission. Here's what I'm wanting you all to get. You're called to be a disciple you're called to experience more and more of Jesus and grow in your own walk with God. You're called to smell like Christ and you're called to, to get healed and you're in a safe place. I'm going to scream this loud and clear. You're in a safe place. Get the garbage out. Get the hurts out. Expose what's been going on. Stuff that's been shameful in your life. Guess what? There's other people in this room, all of us that have had shameful things happen. You're in a safe place. You're not going to be judged for it. You're not going to be condemned for it. Get healed. Pursue wholeness. Pursue freedom. Don't stay in pain and bondage any longer. Let's move like Jesus. Let's let him transform us. That's what he promised to do. That's why you're here. That's why he saved you. But there's a cooperation that needs to happen. You've got to do something. You've got to, I I tell people, if you want to get wet, you need to get under the waterfall. You're not going to get wet out in the desert. So what does that mean? It means I show up. It means I come with an open heart. It means I get involved. It means I let let people get into my life. And it means I love people because you don't have to wait till you're perfect till you start loving people. Love people right now. Find somebody in your life that's broken. When's the last time you invited somebody who's lost as a goose, you know, in a snowstorm, you invited them to church? 
When's the last time you invited someone that's, that's, a, that's a lost friend of yours? Say, hey, come be a part of family. Come experience the goodness of God. How about that for an invitation? Not, how about come to church with me? How about, how about come and experience the goodness of God? I dare you. Let God overwhelm you with his goodness. But here's the cool thing. As you're getting free and you start to love, you're going to find that you're impacting other people and you're going to find that you're stepping into the fulfillment of the Great Commission and you're going to find that people are being impacted by you and changed by you, Christ in you, and you're helping them along and you're teaching them to do the same thing. Listen, when this happens, folks, it begins to be like a movement that happens where God builds his church and it's awesome. And you know what? Here's what I found to be true. When you have people in your life that are getting rocked by Jesus and you're, you're a part of that, is there anything better? Is there anything better than seeing that, experiencing that? There is nothing more rewarding, or you can just live for your, yourself and be bored and frustrated and bitter and angry. You know, that's, you could do that if you want. Or you can live to give your life away. Be happy, fulfilled, excited, full of meaning. All right, I'm messing with you. I'm praying. I'm praying that you guys have a really good day today and you go take a nap. That's what I'm praying. <laughs> you go home, you take a nap. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Hop to your feet. I'm done. Some of you are going, hallelujah, hallelujah. I've been waiting for that moment. Eddie, are you? Sorry. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I say hey to Eddie, and I'm gone. I just lost it. Hopefully that's on video. All right, let's pray. (laughs) Woo! Hallelujah. Lord, we really do love each other, and we're glad you put this awesome bunch of people in the same room for such a time as this. Lord, help us today to take every opportunity to love and to love well. Lord, even before we leave here today, I know there's people that will connect and hug and greet and encourage one another, and God, we're just grateful that we're part of a family. We ask you, Lord, now as we leave here, we know we're on mission, and, and that's not real complicated. You're, there's already people in our lives, lots of people, that need a phone call or need a, a hug or need a word of encouragement. So Lord, just help us to love this week and to care this week and to serve this week, to use the gifts you've given us to be a blessing. Lord, thank you for the family. Again, thank you for the call. Bless us now as we go. Fill us with your spirit. Anoint us with your favor. Use us for your glory. Help us show your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if anybody needs prayer, come on down, all right? I promise I won't jump on you, attack you. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me.